56. Mark chapter 6, verse 45 to 56. It goes like this. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars, because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was alone. Uh, he was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out, because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out, got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran there. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloth, and all who touched it were healed. This is God's word. So in our passage today, um, disciples met the wind while they were sailing to uh, Bethsaida. Mark wrote that they were uh, straining at the oars um, all night, but seemed like the wind did not die down, and they were miserable. Um, but I do see myself uh, uh, in this picture. Like sometimes uh, uh, I meet the wind in my sailing. Uh, in my daily life, I struggle with different relationships, uh, study, work, or, or even to myself. And that is like the raging seas or, or the stormy winds. Um, whether the wind is, is, uh, it's, an, it's an internal or external accusation, um, it's still there in our life. Uh, and it seems like there's nothing we can do other than straining at the oars. And sooner or later, we, we find ourselves um, that we get tired and wearied out. But then Jesus showed up. Um, he walked towards the disciples um, while the harsh wind was against them. Uh, they were exhausted already and couldn't even have the clear view, a uh, clear vision. Uh, and then from their view, uh, something like a sea ghost was walking towards them and saying to them, take courage, it's me, don't be afraid. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and hops on the boat. So it turns out this ghost was, was Jesus. You know? he, he calmed the wind um, and the disciples were able to get to the shore. Seems like a 
Happy story, isn't it? But let me ask you in this way. Um, we are in this boat um, towards heaven. Like if, if, if you are uh, proclaiming Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, we are on this boat, um, a heavenwards boat, right? Um, and here and then, we meet the wind um, during our sailing. We cry for help, we cry out for help, and, and we try to do our best um, to get through uh, the wind. And, and voila, Jesus shows up and solves all the problems. So if Jesus calms the winds um, in our sailing that we face, does it make the story happy? That's my question. But is that how Mark concluded the story today? See, today's passage uh, gives us a conundrum at the end as Mark concluded the story. Uh, in verse 52, they were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. But, but as we walk through the story, uh, nothing seemed as a problem per se, or we didn't find anything that disciples had done wrong. But what was there? Then, then why did Mark... Uh, have to be uh, difficult, <laughs> or, or I don't know, party pooper, jerk, like by, by stating this like negative statement, like really, I mean, really. But I hope and pray that, that we may be able to read Mark's intent behind this story um, and learn the lesson that, that Jesus wanted his disciples to learn about the loaves. So right before this story, Jesus fed uh, more than 5,000, right? Which is, we studied last week. But in, interestingly enough, uh, Jesus hastened his disciples to get into the boat uh, and, and while, while he was dismissing the crowds. But it's interesting because because some of you may know, America probably know, that, that um, uh, the pain and stress uh, from cleaning up after the party, right? Um, but Jesus somehow just, like, for some reason, he just hastened his disciples to, to get on the boat while he was dismissing the crowds. And, um, um, and it almost seems like... Uh, the disciples were about to miss the train. In verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him uh, to Bethsaida while he, was dismissed, he dismissed the, the crowd. Uh, Mark used the word anankazo, means he ordered, he commanded, he, he compelled his disciples to get into the boat, get on the boat. But more fascinating part, fascinating part is, is that Jesus was almost uh, looked like a passive onlooker after this. Um, after uh, verse 46, after leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. Later that night, 
In Hebrew, understand, understanding later that night is around 6 to 9 p.m. Around that, uh, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, which is uh, around 3 to 6 a.m., he went out to them walking on the lake. So, so Jesus sent them out to the lake, um, and he went, on to, went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Disciples met the wind uh, and, and were stra- straining at the oars all night. Uh, but Jesus was plainly praying by himself and <laughs> even was watching them um, struggling like all night. I mean, I mean, later on, like we know that uh, uh, Jesus got on the boat and wind died down. But but in, even even in verse forty eight, it says, "Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them." It wasn't like he was going to rescue them or anything like that. He was going to pass by them. Why Jesus do that? Well, what, I don't know. Is he ignorant? Is he, or is he unaware of what they had just been through? Why couldn't he make them wait until the wind died down? Why did he just watch them? rowing against the wind all night. But, but it almost looked like my journey sometimes. You know, like, I, I don't know how many times I just cried out for help, tried to do the uh, do best what, could, what I could do, and seemed like he wasn't there to help me out. But what if it was intentional? What, 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 <laughs> what if this Jesus was, was uh, truly the, the God-man uh, who was omniscient to know that there, there's going to be a, a wind? Um, and, and he was omnipotent enough to, to prevent uh, the, the wind and could stop the wind while they are struggling, but didn't. See, it, it just means that to me that, that Jesus wanted them to learn something from the wind, not just to get through it. So Jesus wants us to learn something from the wind. So he compels us to go through the wind at times. Sometimes we face the wind that we cannot overcome on our own. Simply, we cannot find any answers, solution on our own. And, and at times, like, God is just waiting. It's not just, like, doing anything. Um, I want to ask you, like, what then is your focus? What, what do you seek in those times? See, at the end, like problem 
will get solved, just like the winds die down. But you know what? (laughs) Disciples didn't get it. Disciples were completely amazed at Jesus who, who miraculously walked on the water and once again calmed the wind, just like he did in chapter 4, verse 39. But they, they didn't get the lesson. Mark's just simply uh, recorded their hearts were hardened. I don't know how to respond to this, response to this. Because when I face my problem, like all I want to do is find a solution. I want to fix the problem. I want to get healed from my wound. I want to get better. I want to find the right place for me. And you may ask God in prayer to make things right for you, right? We do. You know, whether that's health, your wealth, your career, relationship, things for uh, your children or grandchildren. But if that's what only thing we, we ask uh, and only thing we seek from God, uh, we're just asking God to be the mean, not an end. Yes, we, we may be completely amazed when God solves our problem, just like the disciples in this text, but we may still not understand about the loaves that, that Jesus wanted them to know if, are, if our hearts are hardened. Our, I don't know how's your... How's your um, discipline course as a, a follower of Christ look like? But but is Jesus just another um, mean to mean for your end? Um, are you still looking at the feeding five thousand? Just a previous passage. See the, the Apostle John. Um, was right, and he said in, in uh, chapter 6, uh, 20, verse 26, he said, Jesus uh, said to the crowds uh, who were pursuing him and said, Truly I tell you, you're looking for me uh, not because you saw the sign that I performed, but you ate the loaves and had your fill. I mean, that. That's a pretty rude because if I just like explain the context a little bit, after feeding 5,000, um, this crowd who, who ate their loaves, they pursued Jesus everywhere. They, they seek for him. They went to, they moved town to town. They even across the lake to find Jesus. But, but, but when they found Jesus, Jesus was saying to them, no, you are not truly understanding what the sign was. You just want your need and your hunger to be filled from me. And if this is a case for you and I, we are just like the crowd in, in, in Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, who ate the loaves 
and had our fill, but not seeking for Jesus. In other words, we're just, we just want Jesus because we need something from him. But I would like us to rewind the story a little bit uh, back to Mark 6, beginning of the Mark 6. Um, from Mark 4 and 5, Jesus spoke of the four parables of the kingdom of God, and he was speaking about kingdom, uh, how kingdom was going to be ushered in our very life. It's going to be expanded. It's going to be advanced. And Jesus uh, revealed himself to be the Lord of nature, supernatural, sickness, and even uh, the death and life, right? But suddenly Mark portrays Jesus, Mark just like puts Jesus down because in the beginning of chapter 6, Jesus was rejected from his hometown. Even when he sent his uh, disciples out to different towns, two by two, he instructed them what to do uh, if, if, if the town rejects them. So there was illusion, what they're going to face in the future. And then we see the, uh, the John, the, uh, the, no, sorry, King Herod's Antipas a banquet that portrays what it looked like the world. It's full of in, injustice, uh, uh, self-indulging, self-gratifying, uh, self-promoting. And midst of that, John the Baptist, just because he, he stood up for the righteousness, he was persecuted and beheaded, and was beheaded. And Mark doesn't even allow Jesus to show, the, show a condolence over his cousin John the Baptist's uh, uh, death. Uh, he tried to, he, uh, Jesus and his disciples tried to find a, a solitary place, but as soon as they found it, 5,000 crowds just followed him. There's no rest for them. They had to uh, put themselves behind and serve others with compassion. They had to fed them, feed them. So, you see, even from, from chapter 6, Mark was talking about really like what it looked like to live as a Christian in this world. I mean, yeah, 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 there's like kingdoms going to be ushered. Like as we live on this earth, the, uh, according to the God's will and his timing, his kingdom will be expanded. I think the Lord will be revealing, revealing himself as uh, to be the Lord of everything. Yes, but in, in the midst of that, what, what Jesus and the John the Baptist, telling us is that there's going to be constant persecution, rejection, and, 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 and pouring oneself out for others, constantly. But disciples still didn't get it. See, they crossed their mission trip. Um, in, in, in chapter 6, verse 5 says, sorry, yeah, uh, verse 12 says, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many, many sick people with oil and healed them. So they crushed them. <laughs> but they still didn't get 
the way of the cross. See? So when, when they met the wind on the lake, and they, they strained at the oars all night, and when Jesus walked on the water, calmed the wind, they were completely amazed <laughs> at another miracles, but still don't get the way of the cross. See, the, so the point of the wind, it, it was not just to get through it, but learn to have an assurance that God will be with you throughout the wind. So it's not about the loaves itself, but it's about the one who can give you loaves is with you. Do we understand about the loaves? Will we hear our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, speaking to, you, to us, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid, in the midst of our storm? Will we see Jesus who, who is about to pass us by in the midst of our storms? See, the words, it is I, when, when Jesus said to the disciples on the lake, the ego amy, uh, it literally can be mean uh, self, as a self-disclosure phrase, it's me. But many scholars would agree that, that Jesus was echoing uh, from Exodus' account when, when the Lord God uh, self-disclosed himself to Moses, I am who I am. Even in verse 48, when Jesus was about to pass by them, um, Mark, the imagery was, was, was from, uh, from the, the Exodus 33, uh, where, where, uh, where God was going to pass Moses by with his glorious presence. So I actually want to uh, share with you uh, the story uh, from Exodus 33 and close my sermon. From Exodus 19 to 31, Moses went up to the Mount, went up to Mount Sinai to receive the Torah, which is the instruction for uh, Israel for the Israelites. Um, and he came down from the Mount Sinai in uh, chapter 32, Exodus chapter 32, and he found out that his people, this people, made golden calf, and they were worshiping it. So the huge massacre happens. Um, there, there's uh, the cleansing of the house needed. So Moses had to order the Levites to kill his own brothers and sisters. So 3,000 of Israelites died. Can you imagine <laughs> how discouraging that was for Moses? I mean, he, ordering Levites to kill his own relatives, realizing that his people, the people that he's, he's leading, are, are stiff-necked. They're idolatrous. They're, 
they, they, they call them, themselves as a chosen people, but the reality is they're not the different <laughs> than Gentiles. So Moses starts to dialogue with God. That's chapter 33, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. So Moses asked God to teach me your way so that we may, we may know you better. We may uh, not mi- make mistake anymore. Right? We may become your people. Remember us. And here's what, what God um, answered him. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. See, fascinatingly, God didn't solve the problem for Moses. Like, he didn't educate his people with long lecture and, and, and change their heart. Like, he didn't do that. Nor he, he, um, he taught Moses and, and gave the, uh, he didn't give Moses uh, the Torah again the Ten Commandments and all, the, all that uh, long chapters from chapter 19 to 31, he didn't give Moses again. Like later he did. But right, right then, like what, what God promised him was, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That's his promise. You know, what, what God is saying to Moses is that I know I know that you're pretty bummed out. <laughs> I know you're discouraged. I know you feel like underdog. I know you feel like you can't do anything. You can't really change this people's heart. I know that, that the people you're leading are stiff-necked. They're idolatrous. They're not that different than, than Gentiles. I, 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 I know that you feel like you can't really get back on your feet again. But, but my presence will go with you through all this mess. <laughs> and I will give you rest. And Moses knew. Moses knew that, that himself and, and his people weren't the different any other people. And he, we, we know this, uh, this famous phrase, phrase he, he asked God. So Lord, show me your glory. And then, and Lord answered, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So because Moses couldn't see uh, directly to, to God's face, uh, God uh, hid Moses uh, behind the cleft, and when his glory was passing by, Moses was safe. Um, but but d- d- 
Do you get what, 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 what God wanted to assure Moses again? It's, it's, not really, it's not merely solving the problems or, or calm the winds again for Moses or, or just changing people's heart. God wanted Moses to have this assurance. See, Timothy uh, J. Gathered said in his commentary, God comes to encourage Moses not by changing Moses' difficult circumstances, but by passing by, by revealing divine goodness and glory. The epiphany assures Moses that God will be with him on the hard road ahead. Jesus knows that his disciples need this assurance more than they need another storm-sealing miracle. We all want to have the mountaintop, mountaintop experience just like disciples had in earlier chapter 6. We all want to be there um, when, Jesus, uh, feed, feed, when Jesus is feeding 5,000. <laughs> um, we, we all want to meet God, uh, who is Jehovah Jireh. God is my provider. Jehovah Nisi, he's my banner. He's my victory. Uh, Jehovah Shalom, uh, he's my peace. Indeed, he is. Uh, however, as we walk our journey, as we, as we sail on this lake as the disciples of Jesus Christ, and when we meet the winds at times, sometimes Jesus simply wants us to be encouraged and assured by his presence as he says, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Just like the Lord God um, assured and encouraged Moses by passing Moses by with his glorious presence. So, if you're disciples of Christ, not just a crowd, I want to encourage you um, to seek his presence in the midst of your wind this week and be assured that his presence will be with you instead of just seeking the loaves itself. Let's pray. Can I share something? Yeah.